Altitude's undefeated. Crap, we will punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I looked like I was running and started to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Rapids fans, you're listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is Monday, May 22nd, 2023. The Colorado Rapids lost their third league game in a row on Saturday in the first leg of the Rocky Mountain Cup and does not bode well given the upcoming schedule they have, including RSL this Wednesday in the Open Cup. Uh, The Denver Nuggets and Los Angeles Lakers are currently in a nail-biter. This podcast will probably be done before that is happening. So, Mark, I think our gentleman sweep of Nuggets in six is quickly turning into Nuggets in four or five at the absolute most. Uh, And the European schedules are closing up as Manchester City has officially clinched the Premier League title. Uh, We now know that it will be Manchester City versus Inter Milan in the Champions League final. And maybe, just maybe, it will not be... Bayern Munich winning in Germany. Rabbi, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Hey, you got to hang out with Pablo Mastroeni in the uh in the uh post game presser, which and he remembered you. That was also in a, a bit of a thrill for you, right? I mean, I was hoping that he would at least remember my face, um, but you know, remembering my name as well, and then us having a little bit of a nice banter as well was kind of fun. Mark, you know, it's funny the. Um, I, I look forward to Mark in, in the future of, you know, us doing this podcast, you know, in like season 30 when, you know, I'm in my 60s and you're about to turn 80 of us doing this podcast <laughs> and being able to interact with people who've now removed themselves either from the Rapids from a coverage standpoint or removed themselves from working professionally in soccer where they're subject to media availability and the criticism that comes with that and being able to talk and maybe me better understand uh, me to better understand their perspective and where they were coming from and how uh, interacting with media and what maybe we weren't understanding or the types of questions mm-hmm. that we asked, you know, as you can imagine, Rabbi, you know, Robin Fraser has been a little bit punchy in the last three uh, segments that he's had with media availability and hasn't liked some of the questions that have been asked. And maybe there's an opportunity for them to also better understand where we're coming from and to have that with a someone who is so cerebral and philosophical and self-aware and cosmic that is Pablo Mastroeni, regardless Mm. of the current role that he has with RSL, is something that I, as an objective member of the media, can understand and appreciate and actually like. And so the fact that we could have a little bit of a laugh about that, but then I could ask him some constructive questions and he could give me useful information, useful quotes in his own inimitable way um, was fantastic, regardless of how the rest of Saturday night went. Um, Rabbi, how are you doing? Um, I should point out, uh, Mark, do we want to talk about my digs in my surroundings? Yeah, I got nothing going on, but you are on the road in, in uh, Palm Springs on a work trip, and we get to uh, institute another episode of Mark and Matt Review Hotel Wall Art. Matt, tell us about the hotel art in your hotel. Yes, yeah, so listeners, I guess a uh, shout out. I am staying at a residence inn here in the Palm Springs area. I won't say actually which city that I'm in, but Mark, I'm looking. So just above you on my computer screen, I have a nice little sunset. The sun's already gone down, and we don't quite have purple mountain majesty because uh, the mountains are 
a grayish tan color rather than an actual red that then turns purple in the sunset. But I've got some mountains in the background. I've got some palm trees as well. Palm Springs is an enigma on so many levels, Rabbi, even for you and me as California natives and everything. And listen, longtime listeners of this podcast will know when Mark and I or one of us is traveling that when one of us when we record where one of us is in a hotel room we like to talk about the hotel room and particularly the art and the first couple episodes that we had where I was working on a job where I was traveling a whole lot we did that in like the first 10 episodes of HTHL back in the 2018 season and some of the hotel art we had was esoteric and weird and one of the fun things mark that rapids fans like to talk about uh given talking about anthony hudson was not a fun thing at that time was what the hotel art looked like and then trying to make sense of it and listeners i must disappoint you hthl og highliners in that i actually have no hotel art here at my residence in there's some different and kind of unique wallpaper with like some cool lines um on one side and there's a different color wallpaper on the other side but other than that is this weird just pastel tannish gray that matches the color of the mountains outside i have a lot of mirrors rabbi i have some interesting and modern darker like cherry wood furniture and everything but actual things that i would consider art that were painted and framed and hung up and everything does not exist Listeners, I also might sound different because the acoustics are different and I've got carpet and I'm next to a window and I'm recording off of my headphones rather than my proper mic. So if the Yeah, next time next time you have to do this in the in the closet, Matt. That's what all the good podcasters do. They I don't have a closet, Mark. I have a walk in thing with some hangers and like there's not enough room for me to sit down in here. So that is my setup. Bathroom Uh, next time, bathroom. Yes. So uh, Rabbi, I guess I'm obligated to take pictures of the um, the wallpaper, since we don't actually have art, and I'll, I'll put it out on the nice. HTHL Twitter account, and listeners, you can make sense of it. I think we regularly, Rabbi, I feel like we had a listener who would try to compare, like, which form of bacteria the art looked like, or if there was something other in nature that it was. But so, that's going on. Um, Rabbi, I know by the time we're done recording, we're knowing the outcome, but I think we're both pretty solid that the Nuggets will be the representative for the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. Uh, Mark, Nuggets in, in five or Nuggets in four? Uh, Lakers in seven. That's Lakers in seven? Okay. No, probably not. I'm, I'm just rooting for the Lakers, but I haven't really watched the games because I've been so busy with soccer things and work things, which is no fun. If someone could fire me from both of my jobs, I'd have way more time to watch soccer, and I would really appreciate it. Okay, so... Um... So, okay, I'm, I'm going to take that, Mark, as you saying Lakers. I'm going to take that as you oh, saying yeah. Nuggets in five. So I'm saying Nuggets <laughs> in four. Before we're done recording, we'll know for sure which we'll know for sure if one of those does or does not happen. So there's that. And, you know, Mark, I think we said it previously, like you and I are both aware that our fandom growing up in Los Angeles, as people who now do a podcast on a professional sports team based in the greater Denver area, we know that our teams are annoying and the fan bases the stereotypes behind our fan bases respectively are also annoying to denverites and you and i are not the stereotypical lakers dodgers fan in that regard and i would be genuinely happy for the nuggets i was very happy for for all of my friends who cared about the denver broncos my first year living in denver when they went to the super bowl and beat cam newton uh obviously as soon as the kings lost to the oilers in the first round last season i was rooting for the colorado avalanche and Unfortunately, Mark, I might be a little bit tied here because as a uh, alumnus of the University of Miami, Heat basketball was an institution. I was there overlapping when LeBron had the Heatles and everything. I have a lot of friends who are Heat fans. So if it's Nuggets versus Heat, I would be torn in terms of which team do I go for based on 
which group of my fans in my social circle I want to be happy. But no question, listeners, um, the, the, the Boston Celtics, I guess, Mark, if the Boston Celtics played a team of Nazis or like um, a team of like ISIS members, I would be rooting for the Boston Celtics. But uh, Boston Celtics versus any other NBA team, I am rooting for the other NBA team, including the Nugs. Um, and then, Rabbi, let's get into it. Um, so first of all, I, I want to ask, Rabbi, as, a, as an Arsenal fan who maybe was resigned yourself to the ultimate outcome that we got, um, your thoughts on Arsenal finishing second and uh, five championships in six years for Manchester City and very much a treble that would include them finally winning Champions League potentially included in that. You know, I'm thrilled. Honestly, I think a lot of Arsenal fans were were thinking this is our year. Um, For me, I really felt like Arsenal maximized their possibilities this year, played very well, built on a lot of things. I think the, the challenge is to continue off of that. But, you know, I've been joking for years on both this podcast and just to other folks on Twitter about where Arsenal's been at for the last couple of years, which has been fifths and all, sixths and all, fourths and all, you know, the jokes that we make about Arsenal. And second is great, um, you know, guaranteeing a spot in the Champions League next year, um, you know, making a good run all the way. I thought Manchester City was just indestruct- indestructible, just a fantastic soccer team. Um, Holland was uh, unbelievable this year, just absolutely robotic in his, um, you know, Terminator-ness to bashing balls into goals. I mean, like, what did he finish the year with? 50 goals, something like that, in all competitions? Some insanely high number. Um, you know, he is he is big and fast and technical, which are, like, you know, things that you can look at, like, you know, the great Messi-Ronaldo debate, you know, you, you could come down lots of different ways about who's better or whatever, but you're not going to argue that both of that either of those guys is big and physical and capable in the air. And like Holland is a technical dribbler, a precise ball striker, um, and he could get it done with his head. Uh, is a remarkable human being, and he's only going to get better at soccer, which is also kind of terrifying. So kind of a remarkable all around thing. And then you've got you know De Bruyne serving balls up to him. So I don't know how uh, how to beat. Manchester City that's that's I think the the honest truth that like um you know we want Arsenal to build off of this year and and maybe you know take steps towards winning the whole thing but I don't know how they do that yeah good points there Mark uh briefly mentioned Rabbi uh the uh PSG has all but wrapped things up in league on um they would need to Lens would need to win out PSG would need to lose out and there'd have to be a massive 16 point goal differential that needs to be cleared so nothing to say about that we won't talk a whole lot about italy mark you and i are not exactly Serie A friends but i think it's uh, worth pointing I've out i've been watching a little bit but this year it hasn't been that interesting because napoli kind of ran away with it down the down the stretch but but yeah but it's, uh, i don't love any of these teams that's the thing these aren't these are not there's there's no team in italy that i'm like dedicated to i like watching the games but i don't care who actually wins them yeah, but I, I do think it is worth pointing out, Mark, former guest on this podcast and Colorado Rapids international fan, uh, Lino De Rosa, um, is a is originally from Naples and is a Napoli fan and everything. Oh, nice. So, uh, Lino, congratulations to your club on winning. We like seeing, Mark, when you and our, I are separate, independent of the Rapids sports fandom or, you know, uh, media interest, 
is notwithstanding we like seeing people we like seeing people in our community absolutely be happy uh-huh. so congratulations lino um you know to the extent that napoli the extent that the people of naples have gone out and destroyed naples and celebrating you winning your first title then uh since uh saint diego maradona was at the club congratulations listeners if you'd like to hear about lino's story and how some random guy from italy became a rapids fan because he saw a game against the philadelphia union in uh, like 14 years ago check out an episode that we did with him Back in early September of 2019, we interviewed ahead of him coming for the first time ever to GSG and seeing two games. I believe two wins as well, Rabbi, so congratulations on that. Um, And uh, uh, Mark, I think we should move on. I I think the really interesting narrative that we have is that we might actually see the Bundesliga break the duck of Bayern Munich's just decade-plus of dominance. If I go back to the fixtures, uh, Bayern Munich were up one nothing on RB Leipzig, gave up three goals in the second half, and then Dortmund rolled over Augsburg the next day. So we're coming up, Mark, on what we would know as decision day, what in the Premier League they would call Championship Sunday is actually Championship Saturday, this coming Saturday, May 27th. All games simultaneously kicking off. Which, Matt, I believe in German is called Farfig Genugen und Splachten Flackenheitz. Sure. Yeah, uh, those games kicking <laughs> off uh, on, at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time simulcast, Mark. And the two games that we have to focus here are Dortmund hosting your Mainz, and then Köln will be hosting Bayern Munich. If Dortmund win, no matter what else happens, yep. they will win the title. If Dortmund lose and Bayern win, then they will... Buy, Bayern needs to win this game first and foremost, folks. So if Bayern does not beat Colm, then Dortmund wins the championship no matter what. And then, Mark, where things do get interesting is if Dortmund draws and Bayern wins, <clears throat> then Dortmund has a plus 14 goal difference that, um, you know, obviously um, that Dortmund would not be able to overcome because they wouldn't improve on their goal difference via drawing as well. So Bayern, Bayern wins and... Dortmund loses or draws, then Bayern wins the title. If Dortmund wins, they win the title. If Bayern does not win, Dortmund wins the title no matter what. Mark, I've never, I, I, I always, I get to this point every single year, Rabbi, until like two years ago where I'm just like, I'm going to stop caring because I know how this is going to happen. Mark, I, either we're finally going to see it and Dortmund's going to break the duck and, you know, Marco Royce and so many of those Dortmund players who have just absolutely choked it, not unlike a Nikola Jokic in the playoffs, are finally going to get their Bundesliga title or the Bundesliga script writers are truly gaslighting SOBs and we're all just going to get our hearts broken and why should I be watching German football when I already know what inevitably is going to happen no matter how obvious it is that it won't. Uh, I mean, the only the only difficult uh, choice for Americans is: Are you rooting for or against Gio Reyna in this scenario? Right, like Reyna comes off the bench right now for Dortmund, uh, mostly, but um, they've they're you know they've got also a bunch of old older players who kind of deserve a shot here. Marco Royce, who you may remember from way back, and I believe it was the 2014 World Cup for Germany. Um, Emre Can. Uh, you know, starts in the midfield for them. And then um, Julian Brandt is uh, a phenomenal midfielder who uh, has kind of bounced around. And then the back line, they've got um, Mats Hummels and, and uh, uh, Nicholas Sula. Um, so a bunch of German national players. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a deserving team, but I think uh, the fun, funny part is that ultimately because Germany, the narrative will probably be less about how Dortmund won the league and more about how Bayern Munich fell apart. Um, of course, for those of you who haven't been paying 
very close attention. Bayern have uh, changed managers a couple times, um, or just one time in the last um, few weeks, and that's been uh, fairly controversial that uh, Julian Nagelsmann was decided to have just been not good enough, and so they switched him up uh, and brought in... I don't remember who they brought in, but it's... Um, Thomas Tuchel. Oh, yeah, that's what I... It it came to me that that was the right answer, and then I thought like that can't be right. But anyways, it, and and then Tuchel has been uh, kind of like not been doing great down the stretch. Um, you know, they had a run where um, they lost to Man City, um, they drew Hoffenheim, then they drew Man City, and then they lost to Mainz, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for them. Um, they've just been scuffling for a little while, and so I think people will talk about how uh, Bayern. Not so much how Dortmund won the championship, but how Bayern lost it. Matt, what do you think? Uh, I think you're right in terms of what I think the general narrative will be coming out of the media. I do think at some point, like, there should be some credit given to Dortmund. First of all, one, that Bayern did not win the title, and then two, that it was Dortmund who are often the have been the maid of honor <clears throat> the last decade of these weddings that have happened for the most part. So I'd, I'd love to see it. It would be a good story for football. I think it would create more buzz around the about around the Bundesliga and everything and I'd like to see it Mark regardless of how I feel about Gio Reyna and the narrative that he's had around this club season around his time with the national team and maybe his lack of having less of a role than we would have expected or we would have liked to have seen him have in Dortmund and the last European thing that we'll talk about of course Mark um, dear friend of the podcast and dare I say an inspiration for us on multiple on a multitude of levels uh, Mark, um, from over there at Men and Blazers, Roger Bennett's Everton are involved. Uh, Southampton's relegation has been confirmed. Nottingham Forest got a win against Arsenal that sealed that that sealed them staying up as well. So, Mark, we've got three teams uh, that are going to occupy the final two relegation spots in the Premier League. Everton, Leicester, and Leeds uh, currently in that order, 17th through 19th, Everton with 33 points, and then Leicester with 31, and then Leeds also on 31, Leeds with the least, uh, with the worst goal difference. And mm. if I look at the schedule here, Rabbi, you've got Leicester City against West Ham, who presumably are going to be focusing on their European final now that they have nothing to play for. You have Everton versus Bournemouth, who are already safe and also have nothing to play for. And then the whatever the 4% chance that Tottenham has of doing something in Europe, they are at Ellen Road as well. Mark, just in a in a one word, who gets relegated? What who stays up, and how does that occur? And what would that say about that that club? Well, uh, in one word, um, geez, wow. Uh, well, who's Leicester playing? They are West Ham at home or on the road. Leicester are at home against West Ham. At yeah, the and Tower. Leeds are and Leeds are at home. Leeds are at home against Spurs, and then. Everton are at home against Bournemouth. Yeah. So they're Ooh. all at home. Two of the teams are playing somebody who have nothing left to play for. And then Leeds have Spurt, have Tottenham, who still have an outside chance at getting top seven to get into European competition. But also it's Tottenham. If there was any team that was going to blow it and let another team stay up and miss out on Europe in order to do that, Mark, would it not be the Tottenham Hotspurs? It's really hard to... Uh, pick any of these teams. I mean, Leeds have had such a topsy-turvy season with firing their managers. Um, you know, Leicester have just been gutted of, of all the players that won their kind of uh, championship a few years ago, all their great players who who 
who were there a few years ago were just kind of stripped away from the team one by one after another. And Everton have just been running on fumes with, uh, you know, a, a bunch of players who have just not been getting it done all season and have just been kind of choking it back. I don't know. And, and but but they've got they've got players that I like, like uh, Alex Iwobi. So um, who I thought, you know, I really like so much that I never thought uh, Arsenal should get rid of him. But anyways, um, I guess if I were to pick it, I would say things stay the way they are currently. Everton rescues a draw. Leicester or Leeds both get draws or losses, and so it stays the way the table's set now. Leicester, Leeds, and Southampton go down. Matt, what do you think? I, I'm i going to agree with you. I think Everton stays up. All they need is a draw against Bournemouth in most scenarios, so I do think if they do stay up, I think Leicester gets something from their game. I don't think that it's enough, and um, I, I just... The, the Leeds crowd is interesting, Mark, where it can be the most in favor, where it can be a, a, a raucous place to play. But as someone who watched the Leeds for years in the championship when they were challenging with Fulham, when they were in there for promotion and everything of just like the when things go bad, like that crowd gets anxious because they know what's going on. And unless things come out and start out really well, you know, it's going to be them doing a Leeds and Ellen Road can turn into a really toxic place to be in ways that... I'm not sure it's the exact same at um, uh, at Everton Stadium and certainly not at the King Power. So I'll, I'll agree with you in that order. Leicester, Leeds, Southampton go down. Everton stay up and Roger Bennett gets to take a nice summer break for two months before proceeding to crap his pants again when Everton are in the relegation battle next season. Listeners, this past Saturday at Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Commerce City, Colorado, the Colorado Rapids lost the first leg of the 2023 Rocky Mountain Cup and the first of at least four games that will take place against Real Salt Lake this competitive season. Uh, I, I won't go through a whole lot of the details, Mark, because uh, I think we've got bigger, like, it, it's beyond the nuances of what happened in any one of these plays in particular. I thought the Rapids were decent to start, but then they make a mistake and it leads to a goal. You know, two deflections and the first two goals for RSL that took place in the first 22 minutes. Connor Ronan deflecting a shot by Pablo Rees from what I think 30 yards out and sneaks in the corner with William Yarbrough going the other way. Uh, and then Danny Musovsky cleaning up a play after a turnover and then a shot goes off of Danny Wilson and there's a 50-50 ball for Yarbrough and Musovsky to um, get to um, the Rapids do claw things back with a couple of set pieces. Connor Ronan finds Danny Wilson for the first Scottish Salmon of the year and the first Scottish Salmon since 2021 mark. And then Lawless Abubakar, uh, he's now scored a goal in three straight Rocky Mountain Cup competitions. Um, I believe there's an RSL player who scored in that many, but that's the most, that's the longest goal streak you've had for a Burgundy boy against RSL with three straight um, and Danny Wilson of all people getting the cross on that mark after kind of a broken play after a corner but the damage was done right before halftime it would have made it 3-1 at that time a turnover by Danny Wilson uh, nice ball down uh, the near side um, uh, touch line and then across into the box and then um, and then uh, Ruby, Rubio Rubin um, finds Demir Krylock who's open as well mark another all three goals for RSL coming off of Rapids turnovers. So much of what Colorado tries to do at home comes down to them being sharp on the ball. They've not been good on the ball this season. They were not good on the ball in those three plays. And just a series of little moments where somebody closing down, somebody getting a clean clearance, something else that they could have done 
a better job on. I'll, I'll give Connor Ronan a pass on the crazy deflection on the first goal as well, but certainly so many better things could have happened. The, Rap- the Rapids could have done so many things better to prevent those three attacking opportunities, and then even after turning over the ball to RSL, they could have done more to prevent those goals on certainly the second and the third. Um, and Mark, just once again, RSL owns the Colorado Rapids, and I have the stat here, Rabbi. This is from OptiJack. Uh, since the start of the 2014 season, RSL has won 17 games against the Colorado Rapids. In that stretch, that is the most wins for any MLS team against any other MLS team. Put another way, the Colorado Rapids get dominated by RSL more than any MLS team gets dominated by any other MLS team. Uh, Mark, I just kind of ran it and said a whole lot of stuff. I don't know if I'm throwing it to you for good things here, but you know, wh- wh- where do you want to start? Oh, good thing. Um, I thought um, Brandon Gal- uh, Brian Galvan looked really good. I really liked the way the Rapids were basically deploying him on the right side, which was an interesting choice because it forced Keegan Rosenberry to play on the left side most of the game. Um, you know, it was hard to say whether they started out that way um, and that was the actual lineup or whether they started in the normal way with Rose, Rosenberry on the right and Galvan on the left and they just did what's called inverting them and flipping the sides. But that was a nice uh, tactical riffle that I enjoyed. Um, there was that great shot early on for Ryan Acosta off the woodwork that really would have changed the game. I think, you know, if we look back on on things, everything would have been different if that had gone in. I feel like Brian Galva, Brian Acosta is really, really good at hitting the woodwork. Like that's he's he's a he's a crossbar specialist, which is really like it's a fun thing to do in practice. I don't know if you if, if Rapids fans know this, but players sometimes actually engage in a competition where they try to doink it off the crossbar. Maybe they're doing too much doinking in the practices, and they're not actually trying to tuck it into the upper ninety and put it in the goal. Uh, I'm I'm being slightly facetious, but you know uh, that that's a little. It would be great if Acosta could nail one of these long rangers that that really you know threatens the the goal. Those are my good things. Um, that's clearly not a lot, but um, if you watch this game, I think you understand why that is. Matt, what's your good thing? Um, well, first of all, to your point, Mark, bringing up Brian Acosta, I guess let's start from a tactical standpoint, Rabbi. I would classify, if I had to put into a general bucket the shape that the Rapids had and everything, I would call it a 3-5-2. If you look at the MLS match day line, if they have folks, which as longtime listeners will know, can be a little bit drunk and have players slightly out of position, they have it as a 3-1-4-2. I'd say at times, certainly for long stretches defensively, it was back four. Keegan on the left, and then Lalsi Bubakar at the right-back position, which I, I guess kind of worked modularly in terms of setting them up to then win the ball and then be in a better position, Rabbi, to then do something with it, which is something that we've seen that the Rapids have actually struggled with, especially when Diego Rubio's hurt, Cole Bassett's hurt, which was the case in both of these games, obviously, and then no Max as well. Um, I have not heard any further thing on that, folks. So I, I want to give some credit that Robin Fraser tried something different, Mark. It didn't really work, and maybe that's more a statement of the ingredients that he's dealing with more so than how he is choosing to use those ingredients. You know, the I think it's well understood what the Rapids have in those three center backs, and they're imperfect, they're flawed, especially when what's in front of them is a mess and doesn't lead them to being successful. Brian Galvan brought the sauce in a good way and didn't spit on anybody's chest to get fined and red carded, which was kind of nice. I, I, 
to your point, Brian Acosta was a breath of fresh air in terms of what he did in possession. I thought Corona Ronan, the deflection for that first goal notwithstanding, did everything he could, but kind of similar mark to where Acosta was last year, even in stretches where the team's been really bad. Like, say, Jack Price's first year under Anthony Hudson, it was his role being well-defined and what he had to do and him doing a good job, but maybe being unable to elevate other people. I think it's a real disappointment for Ronan's first year with the team that he was brought in to kind of be played with Jack Price, and we got, what, 15 minutes of that, maybe. Um, but, you know, Mark, I, Kevin Cabral did some nice job pressing, but, you know, there were a couple of long balls to start off the game when I thought the Raptors were really trying to break the game open, and those passes were off. Credit to Zach McMath, Mike. Mark, who I thought had a really good game coming uh-huh. back and playing against the Rapids, and just a couple of those long balls, either, you know, Cabral timed it well in terms of being onside, that's an improvement. He got separation from the last defender, which is good. Um, I would hope that he's, you know, he's faster than, than Brian Vera, for example, but ultimately the passes were inaccurate and they couldn't ultimately connect on that. And then what what are you ultimately then doing? You're giving a team that came out in a flat 4-4-2 cheap possession away for them to kill the game and play slowly as well. And just as soon as it went 2-0, Mark, that just that fed into what RSL wanted to do. And it was just way too easy, unfortunately. The, um, you know, just the, the overarching thought I have, Mark, you know, the, the Philly game, the Rapids got punked. We both said it about the Atlanta game that, you know, Colorado just got flat outclassed and at no point, even if it was only 1-0 80 minutes in, like there was at no point that you felt that the Raptors were going to equalize. All it was going to take was one more goal and then the, you know, and then the, the wheels were going to come off the train and absolutely they did and, and it ending 4-0. And so it just, the, there was such a sense of inevitability about this game for me, Mark. I was sitting up in the press box next to Brennan Plone and everything, and I think uh, I think Danny had just scored, and it's like the, hey, this is MLS, this game is drunk, anything's crazy, and like, Brendan's like trying to talk into, like, this could be like a turning point, the Rapids have an opportunity and everything, and right as that's happening, Danny Wilson's dribbling the ball up on the near side, and I'm like, Brendan, I've seen this movie before. I feel like I'm just watching the. Ex- I feel like I'm having the exact same nightmare that I've had 17 times now since 2014. And just like RSL is going to score and they're going to kill the game and they're just going to be extremely ruthless on no XG and the Rapids can do all these other things that are well between the boxes and statistics and everything and it's not going to matter because no matter what happens, this is just what happens in the Rocky Mountain Cup. And right as I'm saying that, Wilson turns over the ball. Ball goes down long to I don't remember which player and everything. And I'm watch watch Brandon. This is going to be a goal. And I'm like, and then as soon as the ball gets passed to Rubio Green in the middle, I'm like, Krylach is wide open if he finds him. And then immediately, and that was just like perfectly poetic of like the the old hat in the media mark kind of educating. I am Pablo Pascal in that moment, and Brendan Plone gradually became the bleary-faced, oh my god, what have I gotten myself into Nicolas Cage in that meme and everything. Um, so, Rabbi you, Rabbi, you said good things, so I guess, um, <laughs> uh, you know, Danny with the goal and assist, um, they, they've done yeah. better things on set pieces and everything, it was nice to see some execution there, um, Lawless brought the energy, I'm not sure that he was, uh, I, I guess he was, I don't know if we want to bring out the blame pie on all three of the goals, Mark, but, you know, two unfortunate deflections, I already talked about that, you know, and I thought Lawless was maybe a little bit out of position, Mark, the, the Rapids don't, one of the things that I think hurts the team in transition, they like playing with high fullbacks, so even though I think Brian Galvan is faster, 
it could be equally fast as Rubio Rubin, probably faster than Ryan Oviedo, is that he's so far up the field that it's hard for him to catch back. I would say the same thing for Sam Nicholson when he's in an advanced position. Keegan Rosenberry a little bit more conservative, but Rabbi, I think we can now say probably that you know the um, you know the, the, the Keegan Rosenberry isn't the defensive stalwart. Everything's going to be okay. Player that historically he has been. I think we can say enough. We have. We, we know enough about this team defensively. We should stop thinking about this team in terms of what they were in 2021, especially the defensive players who were on that team and what they were defensively in 2021. I think we need to acknowledge that 2022 with them maybe regressing past their mean. And we've now found their level, and it's probably closer to what they were in 2022 than they were in 2021. And I feel that way about Keegan Rosenberry. We've talked about how Lawless Lubakar is an imperfect player, and Mark, you and I come off as Danny Wilson apologists, mostly because we just acknowledge the thing that he's really particularly good at and acknowledge his flaws, which unfortunately the team hasn't been set up well to guard against or hasn't executed on guarding against that. And one of those things that, you know, under Robin Frazier that they've been poor at is even when they're in a good shape, even when they're in possession and they're in a good shape to where if they lose the ball, they can recover, they don't recover well. And the play and the the situation where it usually ends up burning them is they cut back to a midfielder, not the actual striker in the box, who's then wide open, does not get covered because the defenders track too far back to, um, you know, they overreact or they they compensate and then the ball gets cut back and then they don't react well in time and the midfield doesn't cover as much as well. I feel like that's more prominent this season than it was last season and it's far more prominent in the last two years than it has been in 2021. Mark, maybe that's all just simply Jack Price not being there. I don't know the answer to that question. But, you know, I would say that about the Julian Carranza goal against Philadelphia. And I would certainly say that about the uh, winning goal by Demir Krylach in that play as well. And so, you know, Mark, we can sit here and we can nitpick what's going on defensively. But it just it increasingly feels like for me, just these games are too predictable. We know what the Rapids are. I feel like if one of the other young center backs that we've hyped up on this podcast was absolutely dominating in training, they would have gotten a serious look outside of Open Cup in this. The fact that the two Open Cup games the Rapids have played, none of the young guys or the bench guys have really jumped out to me, says that they're not a serious challenger for starting minutes for the team. Um, Mark, you and I, similar to Danny Wilson, we acknowledge what Sam Nicholson's great at. We acknowledge what he's not good at. He's a bit of a vibes guy. Um, You know, who's the... um, Mark, who was the Uruguayan who you interviewed, who I can't remember now off the top of my head, who was the bench guy? Um, Nicholson Enzo Martinez? Mosquita. Oh, Mosquita. Mosquita. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and Nicholson's kind of being forced to start because nobody else really fits, and Nicholson can do a bunch of different things. I thought he was. I thought he had some moments. He was really good when he got into space. I don't think he did enough in other positions, but again, he's playing out of position and being asked to do something because it's what's needed from the team. Lewis had some good dribbles, Mark, but just this, similar to how the defense is just so flawed and predictable and easy to guard against, easy to scheme against for the opponent to take advantage of, the Rapids aren't threatening an attack right now, especially at home. Um, Let me look up this stat, because I looked it up, Rabbi, and it it really encapsulated things, especially with a quote Danny Wilson gave us post-game. So, you know... You had 0.8 XG for RSL. 0.7 of that came in the first half. So three goals on 0.7 mm-hmm. XG. And then you had two goals for the Rapids on 1.1 XG. So congratulations to Danny Wilson and Lal Sububakar for outperforming the expected goals and everything. But Mark, 1.1 isn't enough. You know, you played against Philadelphia and, you know, I think it was right around 1 XG. And most of that was Connor Ronan's penalty the other day, you know, um, last two Saturdays ago. 
now, the, the Rapids aren't threatening at home. They're not good at creating chances without Diego Rubio. And then even the chances they come, there's not enough of them. They're not high quality enough. And they don't finish well enough to overcome all their other deficiencies right now as a team. And so I just, I think this is a really flawed team, Mark. I think they're extremely predictable. Even though we saw a new formation and Frazier tried to do things, what does Pablo Mascarini say? Uh, post game, he says, you know, there was nothing they did tonight that really surprised us. Mark, what does it say about you as a team when you've got an opponent coming off of four losses in league play, a bunch of their strikers haven't scored goals, they come out, they roll out in a 4-4-2, and they perform on their XG, you've got a couple guys breaking really long goal droughts and everything, and it's like, yeah, we worked really hard, nothing they did surprised us, and we won the game, congratulations to us. Like the, you know, that does not bode well, that is a metric that tells you this is a bad team that good teams are going to roll over and that teams that are well coached that do a couple of things well are going to be able to take advantage of your deficiencies and are not going to be severely threatened by what you do from an attacking sense. Kevin Cabral, not good enough, Mark. Michael Barrios, you know, you know, he shows up one game, he doesn't show up another game in terms of what he does. And as I'm looking here, Mark, uh, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets on sweeping the Los Angeles Lakers in four games. Um, Mark, I've been talking for a whole lot. This does not have a plot. This does not have a schedule. <laughs> what do you think of what I'm saying? I, I the, the the big takeaway for me, Mark, is I feel like if the Rapids lose on Wednesday, the season's already done because of how much we know about this existing team. And then even if they do get healthy, I don't know that that's enough. You know, Rubio gets healthy, Colbassi gets healthy. That does significantly improve this team offensively, but. You know, Mark, when go back and find another time in which we've seen a team that for, through 14 games to the regular season clearly does not look like a playoff team, then makes the playoffs. They're not healthy. They haven't been healthy all season. So is that a symbol? Is that a signal to us that we shouldn't be thinking they're going to be a healthy team? Is that a valid question of the infrastructure at the club? Is that a valid question of the medical staff? Um, is this an indication that they've got a bunch of injury prone prone players right now but you know mark for this to be a better defense let's be real they probably need an upgrade at center back they probably need to be looking at both fullback positions short term if not certainly long term they need some help in the midfield with jack price out and Kobasset out right now and kevin cabral has yet to get continues to look like a, an underwhelming player who's a bust and everything mark that's oh what, what are you saying rabbi I've been off. There's too many holes, and I don't have confidence at this point, Rabbi, that Porter Smith is going to be able to fill more than one, maybe two of those in the season. They're going to get some surprises results, work really hard, turn some bad performances into draws, and then do just enough to finish ninth to 11th. And if they do make the playoffs, they're going to be one and done. And why should I care about this season when I know it's predictable and not fun? Matt, what is in the water in Palm Springs? You are fired up. He... <laughs> Matt, Matt went on like a nine-minute little diatribe there, and that was just bad thing. I think if you were a super hardcore... Uh, uh, I'm not picking on you, Matt. I love you. Um, if you were to go and do a deep-dive timing of HTHLs, and you recorded the total time that Matt did good thing versus the total time Matt did bad thing... It would tell you everything you need to know about the direction of the Colorado Rapids season. I think things are really, really bad if Matt's going to go on that long about bad thing. It's just a really bad sign with not only how the game went, but how Matt feels about how the season is going. It's just a really bad sign. I will answer one of Matt's 75 different questions, <laughs> only one, and then I will give a couple of my bad things and then we will move along. But um, Matt covered a lot of ground. The thing that you said that was um, 
most interesting to me, uh, I believe, was kind of about the question of, um, well, first of all, whether the team is needs a win at, in the Open Cup against RSL this week or, or the season is hopelessly lost. I don't think so. I actually think um, win or lose, go out of the, the Open Cup or not, the season is not over. Um, there is a way to turn the season around. I do believe in these players. I do think they're good enough to play on the MLS level. I think the salary results um, that were revealed last week indicate that, like, there are a lot of players who are, you know, generally considered MLS level players and, you know, good, solid MLS players and a couple of players who are above average MLS players who should be able to kind of do this um, at this level. Um, the other bad thing that you touched on, there was another thing you said, and it, it tickled my brain and now I don't remember what it was. I want to say a couple things. One is, um, a thing that I noticed early on in the game, I didn't tweet about it and mention it, but I, I, I kind of, cause I wanted to watch it play out was this, the, um, RSL came out and they did what's called spread the field. Um, they, they really, um, went from sideline to sideline with players and we're really kind of stretching the field for the Rapids and forcing the Rapids to kind of run around in the middle of the ground. They were also making long passes and forcing the Rapids to either disrupt those long passes, but also because of when the turnovers happened, the Rapids were spread out over the field. That forced the Rapids to make long passes. And I felt like, and this is frustrating as a fan, as a supporter, as a tactician, I felt like RSL was dictating terms to the Rapids on their home turf. That the Colorado Rapids not only fell behind early uh, and played catch-up, but that RSL chose the tempo and the terms of the game. And that's frustrating, because it felt like Pablo Mastroeni out-coached Robin Frazier. I wouldn't say that to his face, but it felt like it. Um, And, you know, the... The other thing is this game to me fell apart completely when um, Danny Masovsky um, tucked back that um, that rebound for the second goal. At that point, I was basically like, this game is over. You know, I mean, the Rapids might get a goal back and they did, but it didn't matter because RSL got one more before the half. And that was that. But it really looked like this team wasn't able to close down with their midfielders on the defenders. They let their opponent kind of move the ball around on them and spread the field. That second goal was a good example of that. The first goal was a good example of that. There was just a lot of space that RSL created. And then they, they finished and they also moved the Rapids around and got themselves open shots. They did the kind of thing that Colorado has wanted to do this season and has said that they were going to do this season and last season, which is, move the ball from side to side and create um, create opportunities for themselves. Um, but it, instead of the Rapids doing it, RSL did it because they just outdid it, did them. Um, there were individual breakdowns that you were mentioning, Matt, but overall um, it was a hot mess. And, um, you know, it's a good question as to whether this team is, this is the team that we're looking at. This is, this is the Rapids and we are condemned to watch them flounder around for the bottom three spots in the league or whether as i kind of pointed out today like you know it doesn't take much to get back into the into the game in in the western conference i mean they're only four points out of a playoff spot but that like 
seventh, eighth, ninth playoff spot is not impressive and nobody feels excited about it, you know? And um, I think one of the things we're also worried about is, you know, people who provide Rapids content and who are who want a, a strong fan base for this team is there's not a lot of buzz or excitement around this team right now. Like you're, you're you just can't get up for this. Last thing I'll say, Matt, is they really did. They don't have a deep team. They didn't have a deep. They didn't have a lot of guys last week. Um, you know, they had to go with a skeleton crew against Atlanta. There were a lot of injured players. You know, uh, Yosuke Honda had to, uh, Hanya got into the game, which good for him, but also that's not a great sign, you know? Um, and we may be in a similar situation on Wednesday. Yeah, well said, Mark. And to, to your point, Rabbi, about, or to, to my point to further double down and credit to um, Jason Maxwell, who's been beating this drum for a while, the secondary transfer window for MLS this season will be open from the 5th of July through Wednesday, August 2nd. So a little bit less than, so in about, what, a month and a half, two months. Um, and then it'll be open for a, not quite a full month. And Mark, at that point, because of Leagues Cup, there will be only 12 regular season games left for the Rapids. So even if you have somebody walk in right there July 5th ready to contribute, you've got a third of the regular season left to go. So could I be talked into, we're going to make a couple quick signings and go all in on Leagues Cup and we'll deal with the regular season after that? Maybe. If the Rapids are still in the Open Cup at that point, could they be making those signings and focusing on we're going to get the player ready for Open Cup by playing them in MLS play as well? But, you know, Mark, we saw it last year and you know, the front office tried to talk a big game and set themselves up with the move for Mark Anthony Kane. It didn't come through. And I, I think this roster is far more flawed than maybe I had previously thought or been convinced of. And it needs more work. I do think the players need to get better. As we've said, they do need to get healthy and everything. But, you know, the uh, they don't have a lot of, whether it's injuries or mistakes, they don't have a lot of room for error. And, okay, Mark, yeah, it only takes a couple wins to get back into the season, everything, the only wins the Rapids have over teams that are worse than them in MLS play. At, at some point, you need to turn, beat, yeah, at some point, you need to beat average teams in order to move up the table to then be mid-table and therefore average. Last thing I want to say, Mark, because uh, it has nothing to do with this, it has nothing to do with the game, but it's kind of a fun thing. Um, Rabbi, there were a lot of Brian's involved in this game that were spelled differently. You've got Brian Acosta, B-R-Y-A-N. You also had Brian with a Y Oviedo for RSL. You have Brian Galvan, B-R-A-I-A-N. Uh, and then you've got uh, center back for RSL, Brian Vera, B-R-A-Y-A-N. And then the Brian that I prefer how to actually spell it, Mark, uh, you had up in the press box there. I uh, finally got to meet him in person after having him on this podcast a few times. Brian Dunseth, B-R-A-I-N. So Shout out to all the Bryans, I guess. There were more different Bryans on the field than there were goals scored by the Colorado Rapids. And that either means there's lots of Bryans, Mark, or the Rapids were bad. Probably both. Mark, before we get on to the second Rocky Mountain Cup game uh, to be played this month at DSG and then look ahead to FC Cincinnati, tell our listeners how they can support us. Listeners, if you're still somehow listening to this podcast after my long negative rant, oh my you God. just immediately give up it's on okay, the follow the Rapids and decide to give up on the team and everything, like, thank you. Watching your team sucking is not fun. Watching a losing team isn't fun. <laughs> and then the last thing that you want to do is then spend an hour listening to a podcast where we try to break down and make sense of the suckage and everything. So if you're listening to us and everything, you are our people, you're our community. We appreciate you. And regardless of what happens this rapid season, we want to give you really good content to fully appreciate and feel loved and everything. Mark, tell our listeners how they can better make that happen. 
Well, so if you want to support Holding the High Line, uh, you can subscribe to our Substack and keep listening to our podcast. You can give us reviews, which is always helpful. Um, you can retweet and repost us on all of your favorite social apps. And if you really want to hook us up, you can um, support what we do financially. We got to pay for hosting. We got to pay to drive out to matches. We've got to um, occasionally just it's nice to know that you like us by um, buying us a beer every once in a while. You can do that by becoming a paid subscriber, a.k.a. a Highliner, you go to our Substack, you click the subscribe button on any one of our ads, you can subscribe at the $5 a month level of the $42 a month, a $42 a year level, which is actually, for math geniuses, cheaper than $5 a month. Um, if you really want to be our bestest, bestest friends of all time, uh, for $96, you can join the Gallery of Honor plan. And guess what, Matt? All of these folks uh, get a piece of our new upcoming merch. We are printing a pint glass with a new uh, Holding the High Line logo. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, it, it's going to look a lot like the old one, but uh, even snazzier. And then, Matt, we're, I'm trying to figure out, I'm thinking we're going to do like a hashtag on the other side of the pint glass. I'm leaning towards just ask HTHL. Um, not in the face wouldn't be a terrible one after this week. Um, another really good idea for a hashtag uh, here might just be um, to say something like, you know, Rocky Mountain Cup or, um, you know, especially if you remember uh, us from two seasons ago. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, any other thoughts, Matt, on what a hashtag on the back side of the pint glass might be? Mark, you're not going to believe this. And now we have to do it. I had a premonition. No. Okay? So I had, I, I've told you about the dream I have where you give me, where you invest in me and Richard Terry opening up another soccer bar in Denver and then using that as a return on investment for, uh, for the kids college fund. I've told you about this dream, right? It's genius. I think okay. you mentioned it once. Yes. Okay. It's crazy. So, so, so in this other, I've had recurring dreams of this mark. So this is like, this is like there there's, I have a dream series of cheers at this fictional bar that Richard Terry and I are running into the ground and hemorrhaging money. This is, this is cheers meets always sunny in Denver, Colorado. So the, um, so the uh, in this scenario, Mark, I don't know how this happens. I am serving, and all the people in the bar are former Colorado Rapids number sixes. So I have no, I'm going to assume Michael Azir probably doesn't drink, but he was there. Nicola Braca was there. Jack Price was there. He was joking around. Sam Cronin walks in and everything. And so at one point, I don't remember who started this, Mark, but it was just like a cheers to the demons. So we love number sixes, Mark. Number sixes are who we are for, holding the position that is extremely emblematic of the Colorado Rapids in the present time and in the past and everything, the essence of Rapids thug life, if you distill it down, is a holding midfielder. Could we do something with that, Mark? Like pour one out for pour one out. For I like cheers to the sixes. I thought that was good. That okay. was really good. That was really good. And especially if you're going to put it on the back of a pint glass, that's really good. Cheers to the sixes. I think we got it. I think we got it. I mean, the nice thing about pint glasses is we could always do another run with, or we could do we could do a couple different runs with a couple different uh, things on the back. But I like I'm liking Cheers to the Sixes. I think that's what we go with for the year. Anyhow, if you uh, if you become a supporter of ours, uh, you'll be supporting citizen soccer journalism, and we appreciate it. Back to you, Matt. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, Rabbi. Um. I was. You know, I opened up the podcast by blowing raspberries because Mark in the Rocky Mountain <laughs> Cup, the Colorado Rapids are forever blowing melancholy raspberries and we're probably going to be doing that again on wednesday 
Um, round of 16 mark at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Uh, late kickoff here. It will be the last game of the round chronologically. It'll be an 8 p.m. kickoff out there at DSG. Mark, midweek games aren't normally good for the Rapids. Open Cup midweek games aren't normally good for the Rapids. I would want to believe the Rocky Mountain Cup would bring a little bit more interest potentially, but depending on what happens, um, well, I guess no. The the Nuggets, it's impossible for the Nuggets to play on Wednesday because even if the Heat sweep Boston tomorrow, we wouldn't be into the finals. So we might have that issue in future Rapids game, Rapids home games, not necessarily in this one but mark i have to think eight o'clock kickoff you know on a school night and everything because i think school isn't out is about to be done but is not done for most of the school districts in the greater denver area so you're talking about the games over 10 you know you're home 10 30 11 you know asleep 11 15 11 30 not super great and coming off of the fact that you know the team lost to rsl and i should point out mark uh you know a lot of squad rotation there from Real Salt Lake and how they were able to manage the game. Um, RSL doesn't have that many injuries. I guess Savarino's out right now, but we um, he's been out with something long-term, and so we knew that he wasn't going to play in either of these games probably. Um, I, I did get it confirmed on Saturday, Mark, that uh, RSL uh, is going back to Utah. So just like with the two games in California, the Rapids had a couple weeks ago where they went back to Denver before going to Sacramento. RSL um, is back in Utah at time of recording, I believe. Um, they will be staying a few extra days. They have a road game on Saturday, but that's not relevant to this discussion. But Mark, the Rapids are injured. Uh, Robin Frazier said that the team looked really fatigued on Wednesday. I'm not sure if anybody significant is going to be back being healthy on Wednesday compared to where they were at. And they've got a big game coming up at home against FC Cincinnati. RSL relatively rested, albeit with a little bit of travel back and forth on Delta Airlines, probably out to, to Utah and everything. But, you know, Mark, I'm I'm not feeling super confident about this game. I think RSL puts out a hybrid lineup that's probably a, a better version of themselves in Open Cup. I think we probably see two of the young center backs get an opportunity to try and show something. And it's not obvious to me that this team is going to be any more threatening in the attack, given that the Rapids will finally be playing an MLS team in Open Cup. Mark, I think I think the Rapids lose this one. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't feel confident. I mean, if we can't win at home, how are we going to win on the road? If we can't win with our MLS lineup, how are we going to win with, uh you know, a few players rotated out? Is there something tactically they can do differently? I'm not really sure. There's no... The team has to feel, though, on the on the opposite point, the team has to feel like they're up for a reaction, right? And the tactic, the tactical side of the team... They have to sit down, the coaching staff have to t- sit down and look at the tape of the last game and say to themselves, I really, th- that they really saw something that they can exploit, that they can do differently, that they can mess with. Um, and, and and maybe they saw something about RSL that they can take apart. I don't know. I, um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm more or less with you, which is I've got no confidence in this team. The only thing I will say is this, um, RSL definitely scored their chances right they didn't have that many opportunities on goal and they were successful um and colorado missed a few um good looks it could go the other way there was a universe in which the rapids win that game 2-1 and so you know goals change games and and there is there is the possibility they go storming into the rio t and they make something happen. Um, I'm not optimistic about this one, though. For me, this one feels like 1-1, goes 
going to extra time and then losing on PKs. Matt, how do you think it's going to go down for us? I think the Raptors lose this one. I don't know if it's in regulation, but I don't think it'll go to penalties, Mark. I, I think RSL wins. I do think it's a. I think it'll be a one-goal game in terms of the scoreline, but it, it's hard for me to judge just given does does Robin Frazier. I think he's really in a pickle right now, Mark, because I think there was you know there's been frustration for him and for the players on the sideline after the game, leaving the pitch, and then in the media as well. Like this is the the first game where I really felt like there there was a sense of defeat or there was. Defeat's maybe too strong a word. I, I I don't want to put emotions. I don't want to put words into what his emotions he was feeling, given how normally stoic he is in media interactions. But you know, his opening statement was one of the shortest and one of the bluntest that we got on Saturday. You know, it was here. Let me look it up so I don't misquote him or get one word wrong. You know, he says, um, you know, we we can't expect to concede goals like that and win games. That was the entire thing. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven words. And normally there's several sentences. Um, if the game's particularly frustrating or particularly rewarding or is climactic one way or the other, given how the team had been previously, he'll go on for an excess of a minute. But usually it's at least four or five sentences. There's some nuance. There's some detail in there, not just big picture and everything. But he opens up, you know, just saying we conceded three soft goals, didn't deserve to win. You can't expect to win like that. And even then, Mark and me summarizing, I've already said more words than he said as well. Like there's, and so I think he's in a pickle now where it's like the, do we try to go for Open Cup to actually try and go for a competitive game? And, you know, he's he doesn't have a whole lot of resources given the fixture congestion they've had and given the fixture congestion that they're going to have this week as well. You know, the, the, the worst case scenario would be for you to would be for you to go all in on one of these games and then find a way to lose both of them, especially if you lose with the same existing problems that have been obvious within this team as well, or if somebody gets hurt. So do you go all in on Open Cup because you're, what, four games away from a trophy? Or do you think that, you know, FC Cincinnati also playing an Open Cup, maybe taking the Rapids a little bit lightly, you know, assuming it's not a Don Baji revenge game, is that a game that you can get something from? Is that a game that you continue to double down on the team and the way that you've played and everything, and then maybe eventually they click. Maybe Kevin Cabral gets a garbage goal or something. Michael Barrios scores something, and then, you know, they uh, they they turn a corner in ways that they thought they turned a corner with the win over LA Galaxy. And so I wouldn't know what to do in that position. I don't know what Robin is going to do. and It's hard for me to guess what's going to happen in this game without first seeing the lineup. So uh, I'll give you my actual prediction once I see the lineups, Mark. Like I said, I think there'll be some squad rotation in a positive way for um, uh, for Pablo Mastroeni and for the for Real Salt Lake. And I think there's going to, if there's any squad rotation, it's going to be to a negative for the Rapids because they're going to put in bench players who've been less proven against MLS competition or we just know through the data that we have so far this season are not as good. Danny Leva hasn't really been impressive for me. Ralph Prizzo is not as good of a midfielder as Brian Acosta. And I, I think we know that, you know, if it's Sebastian Anderson in the back, maybe he's not as good defensively as Keegan Rosenberry, despite what I said about Keegan, Keegan a few minutes ago. I, I like Danny Leva. I think there's a lot of potential there, but I think uh, he hasn't proven to me that he's a two-way player in the sense that, like, you know, Connor Ronan is really, really adept at getting, getting up and back, and he, he passes the ball really well. Um, Ralph Prizzo is kind of everywhere all the time, and I, I do like the way he's capable of making open field tackles and, and getting back. Um, I think he leaves a little bit to be desired in attack. And Leva, 
Um, Dish is a tasty pass, and he's he's good in 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 the dribble, but I haven't seen him defending. Like we're just not we're we've got guys who have obvious deficiencies throughout the midfield and we just don't have three guys who can boss a game the three of them together and and inspire confidence um there aren't a lot of three three man or two man midfielders in mls right now that i look at them and i go like they're absolutely dominant but there's a couple you know um you know uh uh new england is one of them cincinnati is one of them um lafc tends to be one of them so there, and and I mean honestly, Atlanta with Tiago Almada basically bossing things. Whoever is with him in the midfield, following, trailing behind him as he races off to the goal, makes him look good. But you know that that's where we're at right now, which is like we don't have any you know two or three players who combine to really take charge of a game, and that's that's really that doesn't inspire confidence. So. Listeners is coming Saturday at the Sporting <laughs> Goods Park. Uh, Speaking of doesn't inspire confidence, yeah, um, May twenty seventh, uh, the Colorado Rapids will be hosting FC Cincinnati. Mark, who are off to a fantastic season so far, they are currently a time of recording first in the Eastern Conference and first in the Supporter Shield as well. They've got thirty points off of thirteen games played. They have a record of nine one and three. They have a goal difference of plus seven. That being said, away, they've they've played a number of home games, Mark. They've played eight home games, only five away. They're 8-0 at home. And away from uh, their stadium in Cincinnati, they are 1-1-3 and this season. Meanwhile, the Rapids continue to find themselves below the playoff line. Uh, they're in 12th in the Western Conference, ahead of just Kansas City and LA Galaxy. Uh, 12 points off of 14 games played. They have a record of 2-6-6. Six and six. Goal difference of negative 9. And once again, uh, at... The Richard this season in league play. They are still winless 0-3-3. Mark, FC Cincinnati is looking really good. They got a massive win in an absolutely crazy Hell's Real Derby over the weekend. Uh, Lucho Acosta with a brace. They ended up winning it 3-2. Uh, uh, Moreno, excuse me, there uh, got the winning goal in that. Should be pointed out, folks, just like the Rapids. FC Cincinnati are playing midweek. They are in the Open Cup in the round of 16, and they are playing the New York Red Bulls. So maybe an interesting, you know, at home, but then flying to New York and then maybe flying back to Cincinnati and then a day or two later coming out to Colorado. Mark, this team is stacked. Pat Noonan's done an absolutely fantastic job in what I think is second year with the team and everything. Brandon Vasquez is clicking up top. Lucho Acosta looks like his usual self. Uh, it should be pointed that uh, Brenner has been out of the team. His move to Europe, the team and the fee of which I can't remember, that has been confirmed. He was kind of their big DP signing a couple of years ago, Mark, when uh, you were there for the game at FC Cincinnati. 1-0 Michael Barrios, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but this team otherwise is stacked, Mark. Their defense, which normally was their big flaw that they had in the past, is much, much improved. Deontay Mosquero has been fantastic. Matt Miazga coming back from Europe, great. Nick Hagland has been fitting in as well as kind of their physical presence. Uh, Barriel has been one of the best wide uh, wingbacks for me. 
uh, in the season mark. And then uh, Moreno, the one who got the game-winning goal, has been in midfield sitting behind Lucho Acosta. Um, they're normally playing at a 3-4-1-2 as well. And Mark, uh, it should be said from a Rapids interesting standpoint, with Brenner out of the team recently, that has given opportunities for former Colorado Rapid um, and Senegalese striker Dominic Baji, who hasn't necessarily uh, produced stuff, Mark, but he's vibes and, you know, in the same way, Mark, that you and I stand, Sam Nicholson and Danny Wilson and um, Michael Azira, we absolutely stand Dom Baji, and so I'm sure it'll be fun to see him back here. And Mark, I think it would be extremely fitting for Dom Baji to come in, score a goal, and be like, I'm starting on a team that's top of the table, and we're going to win the Supporters' Shield, and my abs still have abs, and you guys didn't want to pay me, <laughs> and you don't have a striker, and I'm better than Kevin Cabral. Suck it, Porrick Smith. I don't think Dom's actually going to say that. I don't think that's how Dom actually feels and everything, but that doesn't mean that he isn't motivated to play in this game. Mark, this team is really good. Um, the only real hesitancy that I have in terms of how I'm feeling about the match in particular is the fact that FC Cincinnati coming off of a high of winning their big derby game. And then what does Pat Noonan do in terms of squad rotation, given that New York Red Bulls aren't very good this season? So does he roll out a B team thinking we can probably win? Or does he see if I play my starters, we're into a quarterfinal and we're three games away from potentially winning a trophy and then what what is the state of the rapids from a physical mental and medical standpoint on thursday morning you know that's kind of my concern but um you know mark we can stop let's let's stop bragging about altitude at this point like teams come here and they win and everything altitude's talked up such a big deal when the rapids are really good in 2021 and in 2016 and how they have a home fortress I'm not going to remotely entertain that narrative until the Rapids win an MLS game in league play. And on that note, Mark, I guess I'll say it. Um, I'm, I'm going to predict the Rapids to lose every single game until I see them uh, win a game as well. This is this is where we are at, folks. Forget like that's really pessimistic. Yes, I am forever blowing melancholy raspberries here, Rabbi. Is how I, I feel. So yeah. I don't really know how FC Cincinnati have done it. I don't. I did not expect them. I mean, they built off of a very good season last year, and then they just kept going. But they've been totally dominant this year. They have one loss, um, and that's including Open Cup play. So one of the questions you might ask is, how serious are they going to take Open Cup this week? And are they going to put take their foot off the gas against Colorado? Um, but they've been beating all comers, and they've just been absolutely pummeling people. Um, Luciano and, and the other thing I think that's fascinating about this team is it's kind of assembled by with parts I think you could give Pat Noonan most of the credit I mean that's what I'll say is that Pat Noonan um, an MLS uh, you know uh, star in his day um, but I think you know between him and Steve Chirundolo having success as um, as MLS head coaches is credit to the fact that being an MLS lifer means you understand something about this league that maybe a European who comes in doesn't necessarily understand. I think just getting the secret sauce right of some of the players they added is really interesting. I would not have said Nick Hagland and Ray Gaddis were essential components of a team, but they've been right there and they've been important. I mean, Ray Gaddis was kind of picked off of the scrap heap. I love Ray Gaddis. I think he's a fun a fun he, player. He was good with Philly when not yeah. when they ascended their level as well, Mark, but I mean... If you told me when the Rapids traded for Keegan Rosenberry that they got Ramon Gaddis and that they got Ray Gaddis instead, um, I would have been here for it. No, and, and I think the thing about Ray Gaddis that I've always thought is I thought he was kind of one dimensional. He's a very fa he's a very uh, Marcel Win if you're a Rapids fan 
and you remember back kind of player, which is his pace on the back uh, as at fullback means that he can make up for any kind of technical mistakes that he's going to make. Um, and he can race back. And if he's, if he, if somebody makes a head nod and gets a step on him, he's going to out accelerate him. Um, Nick Hagland, you know, also a guy, but then it's also Matt Miazga who, you know, NYRB sold off to Europe, you know, many a moon ago and has come back to MLS and is, anchoring a back line and doing a really good job of it. So, um, you know, Luciano Costa and Don Baggi, and you've basically got a, a who's who of reclamation product projects around MLS who, who are working and that, and that it's all coming together. That's why I don't fully understand how Cincinnati is doing what they do. A little bit of what they're doing is through depth. They've got Yuya Kubo, they've got um, Alvis Powell, um, and a number of players like... Um, uh, you know, down their list that that are younger players who are getting things done for them. So um, Cincinnati, again, I think you're right, Matt. There's no reason to bet on the Rapids when there's no evidence that they know what they're doing right now. Um, so I'll give this one a, 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 a 2-0 win for Cincinnati. Who scores the goals, Mark? I, I guess, let, let me put it this way. Uh, do we think Don Baji gets a goal or an assist? Oh, I, I think it'll be Brandon Vasquez and Luciano Costa. I'm just not going to give uh Baji the satisfaction of me predicting him getting a goal but you would be dumb you wouldn't you wouldn't be dumb to to predict him to score a goal yeah okay i'm i'm going to agree with you um i i would say i'll say dom doesn't score mark but i i do say that uh that fc cincinnati will win this game unfortunately for the colorado rapids um mark am i forgetting anything anything else you should well you should tell them how to hit us on the socials and how to contact the show uh, our hashtags and all the other good stuff uh, and you should congratulate um, our overlords the Denver Nuggets on their ascent to the NBA Finals. Matt, who are they taking on? Uh, so the Miami Heat, Mark, are currently up 3-0 to on the Boston Celtics. Uh, game 4 is tomorrow night. Today, if you're listening to us on Tuesday, listeners, and Boston completely gave up, Mark. They phoned oh, no. it in and they lost by like 23 on in game three so i think i think if the heat come out and punch him in the mouth i think jason tatum and company will roll over and no amount of jason tatum texting kobe bryant at halftime texting kobe's former numbers since you know kobe's no longer with us um you know is going to affect that i think it's going to be heat versus uh versus nuggets i want to say on paper that the nuggets are the better team mark but i'll I'll withhold my thoughts until i you know get to look at that properly heat culture has been extremely infectious they both teams got a bunch of dogs and everything and playoff jimmy has been just as good as nikola Jokic has been i still think nikola Jokic is the best player in basket in world basketball right now but um we'll we'll withhold those predictions on that mark we've done enough sad stuff i'm not going to sit here and say that the nuggets are going to lose in the finals to make all these rapids fans even more upset um listeners you can follow us collectively on twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at lws matt pollard and at rapids nine six podcast you can view the written work on the interwebs for me and rabbi at pittsburgh soccer now last word on sports.com backslash soccer burgundywave.com and our substack that mark mentioned earlier holding the highline.substack.com that's also where you can support us financially you want to support the podcast that is the best way to do it or buy our merch uh preferably do both but do one of those two things and merch will be coming up i don't know mark when are we thinking we're still thinking late june probably to launch this yeah, we have to. I have to get the the final version of the graphic done, and then I think uh, I'll be able to ready to send that out in June. And I have two weeks off in June that I can 
I can send stuff out. The other thing is, uh, even probably even for our highliners, I'm going to be politely requesting if you could send along the shipping and handling money. That would just help to make this a little bit more financially viable for us. But we're talking, you know, like six, eight, ten bucks, not not a lot, and you'll be more than it'll be more than worth it for you to get your glassware. So. Rabbi, in the spirit of being an engineer and dealing with deadlines that constantly get pushed back, I'm going to sandbag us a little bit and say by 4th of July, just to be very, very clear. There, listeners. Um, And then if you want to get at us, uh, oh, I didn't check to see if we had any Ask HTHLs. Let me do that really quick, Rabbi. This will just take a second. I'm not seeing anything recently, so no, we do not have any significant Ask HTLs. But if you want to send us a question, listeners, and have us answer on the podcast, you can tweet using the hashtag AskHTHL or tag us uh, at Rapid96Podcast. And if you got something that's a little bit more nuanced, harder to describe in 280 characters or whatever Elon decides the character limit is with notes this week, uh, Rapid96Podcast at gmail.com. So feel free to send us you know, text emails there, or if you want to record an audio recording of you forever blowing melancholy raspberries at us then you know send us that there we'll play do, do we want to play people blowing raspberries or farting at us on the podcast mark or are we is that beneath us as uh, as, as holding the high line beneath us matt that okay that is beneath you can send it to us i can we'll open the email i can't guarantee that we'll listen to the audio and it's definitely not being put out there for public consumption but um you know, listeners, take care of yourselves. There are more important things than soccer. Soccer is the most important, least important thing. There are many other ways to find joy. And as I wrote about in my piece that I put on for um, the Rapids are doing a entry, are, are doing a, um, uh, they're doing a write-in piece for members of the community. And I was invited to contribute to that, um, you know, as someone who uh, just recently celebrated 10 years from one of the worst days of my life and everything. So shout out to Sydney over at the Rapids for inviting me to do that. And I talked about it, Mark, and I mentioned how the uh, me having an army of people who care about me is so important. Rabbi, you are a member of that army. So many of you listeners are a part of that army. And even when I've had really dark periods in terms of my personal life or what's going on in the club, the Rapids community is a wonderful place with, you know, really genuinely good human beings, despite uh, the negative cynicism that we might exhibit on Twitter and regardless of how the team is doing. So take care of yourself, take care of others and everything. Um, You know, the Colorado Rapids and the community around us, it's a big boat full of holes. We don't have any oars and we're up Poop River. But Mark, we're in this together and they're the only worse thing than watching the Rapids lose to RSL twice in one week is watching the Rapids lose to RSL twice in one week all alone. So, Mark, you and I, we have each other. Rapids community, we have you. Whole lot. Highliners, you have us. Listeners, we'll see you next week. Peace.